are fueled by coffee production. Hello, my name is Ben Burrell and this is Bob Dylan Album by Album, a podcast that brings you an in-depth look at each Bob Dylan studio recording record by record. Hope you're enjoying season four so far. Thanks very much for listening to another episode. And thank you to everyone that has supported the podcast recently by buying a coffee. Hi to Roman and Noel. You've bought a couple now. Thank you, mate. Uh, Hi to Matt Cowley and Sean and Joe Duncan and Steve Trice and Danny Frisco. Strong name. Uh, You can support the podcast by buying me a coffee. There's a link in this episode's description. Think of it as a little kind of tip. And if you do support the podcast over the next two weeks by buying me a coffee, that's two weeks starting on the day this episode is released, you'll be entered into a prize draw to win a little prize bundle. I have a really, really good Bob Dylan book called Why Does Bob Dylan Matter that was uh, donated by the Revisited Podcast, which is a podcast you should definitely check out. Uh, They featured me on an episode unsurprisingly, about Bob Dylan. Uh, I'll put a link to that episode in the description for this podcast as well. Uh, They donated an amazing book, and also I've got a Bob Dylan album-by-album turntable slip mat to give away as well. Um, These are kind of the slip mats that go on top of your turntable when you're not using it so it doesn't get dusty. And they look really nice. You can see a picture of one uh, on my Twitter and Instagram, at Bob Dylan Podcast for both of those. Go and have a look. It does look really nice. They've done a good job of it. It's a proper Bob Dylan branded one. Uh, If you want to get involved with that, then as I say, just support the podcast by buying me a coffee in the next two weeks and you'll be entered in the draw and we'll do the draw on a separate podcast in a couple of weeks' time. Stay listening to the end of this episode to find out where we're going next week. In the meantime, this is a really good album this week. We're having a look at 2001's Love and Theft. Never step of the way We walk the line Your days are numbered So I'm In 1997, Bob had made his best album for a decade. When he would release his follow-up in 2001, you could be forgiven for thinking this was going to be another Oh Mercy Under the Red Sky situation where a potential comeback splutters to a stop. However, as it would soon become clear, these two albums were the start of something. Dylan's career has been littered with trios, and here we're midway through another one. The famous 60s run contained three classic albums in 18 months. The religious period had us asking what was going on for three LPs, and some see the run of Blood on the Tracks, Desire and Street Legal as a second purple patch. Personally speaking, the tightest trio is his latter-day classics. These three albums share themes and feelings and narrators. A lot of the time, they share sonics too. For me, and you might want to disagree, this album Love and Theft is my least favourite of the three. It doesn't have the fascinating instrumentation of its predecessor, Time Out of Mind, and it also doesn't have the songs of its successor, Modern Times. But this doesn't stop this LP from being a brilliant listen. Those two are some of Bob's best work outside the obvious. Here, he's still definitely in the middle of a creative burst. In fact, this album feels like a good starting point for what was to come from Dylan. Take track four, By and By, for example. It sounds like the blueprint for the sonics of the songs on modern times. By and by. The accordion on the closing track, Sugar Baby, would crop up again on 2009's Together Through Life. Whilst the eighth track feels like a precursor to Dylan's obsession with covering Sinatra standards. The seasons they are turning and my sad heart is yearning to hear again a songbird's sweet melodious tone. On the songs on this LP, we do take a break for the most part from this era's theme of mortality and apocalyptic imagery that is all over the album's either side of this one. 
although it does crop up from time to time, especially on a track like High Water. Instead, Bob delivers a bluesy folk rock triumph set against a backdrop of the United States, usually set in the southern states. The whole album feels like a homage to the music of the blues and ragtime and country and also jazz. Even the album's title comes from Eric Lott's 1993 book, History of Blackface Minstrels in American Culture, a telling reference point for an album that explores some of the twisted roots of rock and roll. That plays into the fact that Bob apparently sees this album as the first part of a different trilogy to the one I mentioned. He would see This, Modern Times and Together Through Life as albums all delving into America. Regardless of how we view it, Bob is in confident mood here. Take the song Summer Days, for example. It has a jolly pace and there's cheeky lines, I can only apologise about using the word cheeky, like politician got on his jogging shoes, he must be running for office, got no time to lose. He's clearly having a good time here and elsewhere too as he sings, well I'm driving in the flats in a Cadillac car, the girls all say you're a worn out star, my pockets are loaded and I'm spending every dime, how can you say you love someone else? when you know it's me all the time. And I'm driving in the flats in a Cadillac car The girls all say you're a worn-out star My pockets are loaded and I'm spending every dime How can you say you love someone else You know it's me all the time These lines are over 12-bar blues with a very Little Richard-sounding bass line and a great riff too. Special mention must go to the song's recording. It sounds great. Dylan self-produces the record under the pseudonym Jack Frost. The drums sound particularly good here. They have a clarity and vigour. It appears after spending the last album with producer Daniel Lanois, Dylan has picked up some producing tips. Later in the song, we hear about a wedding reception as our narrator obviously gets married. His love tells him he cannot repeat the past, to which he replies, you can't? What do you mean you can't? Of course you can which is where the story starts to take a turn for the worse. That is a line taken from The Great Gatsby, where Gatsby is talking of his dismay about his former lover, Daisy. I've gotten all these things for her, and now she just, she just wants to run away. <laughs> she even wants to leave that. Jay, you can't repeat the past. Can't repeat the past? No. Why, of course you can. Just like Gatsby, our narrator is finding his love slipping away. Something confirmed with the final verse of Well, I'm leaving in the morning as soon as the dark clouds lift. Yes, I'm leaving in the morning just as soon as the dark clouds lift. Gonna break in the roof, set fire to the place as a parting gift. We then return to the repeated lines of Summer days, summer nights are gone. Summer days, summer nights are gone. I know a place where there's still something going on. Our narrator is pressing on looking for an endless summer. A favourite moment of mine in this song is where it would appear Dylan forgets the lyrics. It's quite a furious delivery in the smallest ways recording subterranean homesick blues and he appears to get a little mixed up. Listen to when he sings Well my back has been to the wall so long stumbling ever so slightly in his delivery. The album's southern roots start to reveal themselves in track 7, High Water for Charlie Patton. Dylan delivers an atmospheric brooding song given life by its relentless banjo and accordion. The drums wouldn't sound out of place on a soundtrack written by Hans Zimmer. I want high everywhere. I got a craving love for blazing speed, got a hopped up Mustang Ford. Jumping to the wagon, love, throw your panties overboard. 
The lyrics are about the 1927 Louisiana flood, the same incident that inspired the classic When the Levee Breaks from Memphis Mini. Its title is taken from somewhere else too. It's from the Delta Blues musician Charlie Patton's song High Water Everywhere. In fact, Dylan borrows lines from another Patton song, Shake It and Break It. You can shake it, you can break it, you can hang it on the wall. Bob's amended version here is Bertha Mason shook it and broke it, then she hung it on the wall. Mason is a character from the classic novel Jane Eyre, if you're wondering. Bob does this a lot in this song. He references a lot of famous people. You assume he's tipping his hat at ones he admires. Big Joe Turner is referenced in the first verse. He was an American blues singer from Kansas City. The line, Got Hopped Up on a Mustang Ford, is a reference to the song Hopped Up Mustang from 1964, while I Believe I'll Dust My Broom is referring to Robert Johnson. He also references a number of non-musicians, like Charles Darwin, for example, which puts me in the mind of the name checks on the classic Desolation Row. Why are we getting these constant references? Well, it's not really clear. It does appear to be a mess, though. There is definitely an apocalyptic feeling to this song. That rising water metaphor of the Louisiana flood gives us that alone. It's a hard rain's going to fall for the 21st century. Dylan keeps telling us it's rough out there, water everywhere. Not for the first time in this era, the world's gone wrong, and Bob is telling us about it. It's almost like he's at odds with a difficult world, so he's surrounded himself with these legends from the past hauled up away from an ever-increasing mad existence. The Mississippi city of Clarksdale is mentioned in this song, and it's another reference to the original Patton tune. We appear to be back in the South for the album's previous track, Floater, Too Much To Ask. Out of the window Come the dazzling sunlit rays Through the back alleys Through the blinds Another one, another manless days this song, like many others on this album and its follow-up, Modern Times, is blighted by claims of plagiarism. The tune borrows from two sources. The melody comes from Snuggled On Your Shoulders, a Bing Crosby song. Snuggled on your shoulders Cuddled in your arms Whilst the lyrics are heavily influenced by Junichi Saga's novel Confessions of a Yakuza, Translated to English by John Bester, the book is a biography of one of the last traditional Yakuza bosses in Japan. In an article published in the journal, a line from Floater, I'm not quite as cool or forgiving as I sound, was traced back to a line in the book which reads, I'm not as cool or forgiving as I might have sounded. Another line from Floater is, my old man, he's like a feudal lord, is directly taken from the book's first chapter. The line is, my old man would sit there like a feudal lord. However, when informed of this similarity, the author Saga's reaction was that he was honoured rather than abused by Dylan's use of his work. His lawyer's opinion might differ. This acceptance doesn't make the whole thing particularly OK, although Dylan's stance on this criticism is pretty forthright. In fact, he uses some quite strong language when discussing the issue in an interview, so we'll probably just leave it there. Lines from the book pop up elsewhere too on other tracks like Honest With Me and Summer Days and Poor Boy and Lonesome Blues. It would appear Bob didn't have too much to really say here. You do find that with some of the lyrics on these tracks. I find it hard to connect with them compared to others in this era. It would also appear even Dylan has a less connected relationship with the lines in this tune. There's a video of Bob performing the track in Hammersmith in London. While singing, he has to read the lines from a piece of paper, very un-Bob-like. I'll link to a video in the description so you can watch it for yourself. What we do glean from the lyrics is that we're still in the South. 
there's references to hot days and a wisecrack from the narrator about wanting to date his cousin. The South is also a place where we stay for the album's best song, Mississippi. Every step of the way We walked along Your days are numbered So I'm not this is one of the, if not the, best songs from the era. It's a big pop tune with an easy melody and slick production. Its chords remind us of the arrangement for Stuck Inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again. That modern sounding pacey rhythm guitar gives the song a fresh sound compared to the other arrangements in this era. Also that mandolin riff is a nice surprise and perfectly segues from the end of each chorus to the next verse. However, before it makes the LP, the tune has a long history. It was demoed for the Time Out of Mind sessions, where it was considerably more relaxed. Every step of the way, we walk the line. Your days are numbered, so am I. Having not made that record, Dylan offered the song to Cheryl Crow, who recorded it for her 1998 album, The Globe Session. It's actually a pretty good take. She modifies the melody and ups the tempo, a speed that Bob keeps on the final cut on this LP. There's some incredible lyrics on this tune too. I love the opening couplet of Every step of the way we walk the line. Your days are numbered, so are mine. This song, unsurprisingly given its origins, echoes the theme running through the Time Out of Mind album of Mortality. This is a possible reaction to the health scare Bob had received in 1997. He's quoted as saying, People say the record deals with mortality, my mortality for some reason. It maybe just deals with mortality in general. It's also a love song. On the seventh and eighth verses, Bob sings, I need somebody strong to distract my mind. I'm going to look at you till my eyes go blind. And later, well, I got here following the southern star. I crossed that river just to be where you are. Only one thing I did wrong, stayed in Mississippi a day too long. While Love briefly offers our narrator a way out of this discussion and angst around mortality, they don't quite get it. Because by the end of the song, Bob sings, Well, the emptiness is endless, cold as the clay. Also, interestingly, the song's constant refrain of only one thing I did wrong stayed in Mississippi a day too long is taken from an old prison song, possibly summing up our narrator's tight spot. They're a prisoner of time. Time appears to be on Dylan's mind again with track four, By and By. Bob throws in another eyebrow-raising line, just like the politician running for office lyric earlier. This time he croons, well, I'm sitting on my watch so I can be on time. Later, he gets a little more serious as he sings, the future for me is already the past. You were my first love, you will be my last. By and by itself is a phrase used to mean the far-off future and life after death. It's taken from the Christian hymn in the sweet by and by with the lyrics in the sweet by and by we'll meet again on that beautiful shore. In the Dylan tune, we hear him trying to convince himself he's happy, but it's actually quite easy to see through. 
Bob sings, I'm telling myself I've found true happiness, that I've still got a dream that hasn't been repossessed. He might be telling himself it, but it's not true. Because straight after these lines we have, I'm rolling slow, going where the wild roses grow. Which is possibly a reference to the Nick Cave and Kylie Minogue song called Where the Wild Roses Grow. Cave was inspired to write it after listening to the traditional song Down in the Willow Garden, which is a tale of a man courting a woman and then killing her whilst they're out together. With this comes the menace that has been lurking in the song's second half with lines like, Well, I'm going to baptise you in fire so you can sin no more. Well, I'm going to baptise you in fire so you can sin no more. I'm going to establish my rule through civil war. Even if murder isn't actually on Dylan's mind and he's not inspired by the Kylie and Nick Cave song, the Wild Roses Grow line is certainly something that evokes a deathly feeling. In fact, those final lines have a hint of salvation about them, like death will set one free, linking us once again back to the title of By and By. As we've already seen, this echoes the sonics of the forthcoming album Modern Times. It has a jazz tinge that suits Dylan's weathered voice. In fact, he borrows the melody from a Billie Holiday song called Having Myself a Time. The phrase by and by is also mentioned on the album's 10th track, Poor Boy, which once again takes its cues from jazz. The record's guitar player Larry Campbell recalls hearing the song for the first time. He says, Dylan played me the chord changes for one of his new songs, Poor Boy. They were relatively sophisticated changes for a Bob Dylan song. That was the first inkling of what this new material might be like. He takes elements from the jazz era and adds a folk sensibility to it. Here Campbell darts from the top to the bottom of the guitar's neck as he plays odd little chords like B minor 7 5 and F major 7. While as he says there there's a feeling of jazz to the song, the acoustic guitar does recall folk with its picked nature, although the playing does lean more towards jazz in this song's bridges, as does the percussion with its ride cymbal played softly. When my mother died, my uncle took me and he ran a funeral parlor. He did a lot of nice things for me and I won't forget him. All I know is that I'm thrilled by your kiss. The words here appear to concern someone who can't catch a break, a man who is almost stranded in a farce. I say this because in and around some of the more serious lyrics, Dylan throws in a lot of jokes, proper jokes, like one-line jokes. There's a line about the classic Shakespeare play Othello, where Othello almost jokes at the fact he's fed Desdemona poison wine, a different fate from the one she actually meets in the play. He also steals a Marx brother joke. Dylan sings... Poor boy in the hotel called Palace of Gloom calls down to room service, says, send up a room. The joke being that this room is so bad, we cannot class it as a room, so where's the real one? Just send that one up. Finally, and best of all, we have a pun. It's like a bad stand-up comedy routine. Are you ready for it? The line is... Knocking on the door, I say, who is it? And where are you from? Man says, Freddy. I say, Freddy who? He says... Freddy or not, here I come. <laughs> sure, it's not the best, but Bobby's having fun in this song. And just like most comedies, we find our protagonist back to where he began at the end of the song. After a story of running from the police and riding a train and working, our poor boy is back to the mundane, washing the dishes as the final notes ring out. The jazz kernel of this song is also present in the track Moonlight. Here, Dylan constantly asks a lover to reconcile and meet him in the moonlight. 
The moonlight could even be seen as a place where nothing else exists apart from them, a sort of purgatory. Something made stronger with the line, for whom does the bell toll for, love? It tolls for you and me. There's once again a feeling of salvation here, of making up for lost time. Dylan said of the album's themes that the whole album deals with power. If life teaches us anything, it's that there's nothing that men and women won't do to get power. The album deals with that and wealth and knowledge and salvation. That's the way I look at it. The instrumentation, as we've already seen, paves the way for Bob's forthcoming obsession with covering standards. Here, though, the sound is really well put together. The rhythm section comes from Tony Garnier and David Kemper, which kind of takes care of itself. It's pretty straight down the line. It sounds like the sort of backing track you'd get on a Bing Crosby song. In fact, Bob's delivery is actually quite Crosby-esque. The rhythm acoustic guitar is panned into the right to ear, whilst an electric lead is in the left. It sounds like a pedal steel guitar, but actually appears to be an electric with heavy reverb and lots of slides on the licks. There's also a soft piano buried in the mix and an organ played by Augie Myers, which gives the song a bit of mystique. At times, it sounds like a synth. It has a subtle, hushed quality, perfect for the moonlight setting. This song is also an all-round great band performance. For the LP sessions, Dylan would arrive each day to Clinton Recording in Midtown Manhattan at around 3pm. A studio employee said he'd always be in swanky attire, a white western shirt and peg pants apparently. In a typical Dylan code of silence, the sessions were booked under the name of his manager and employees were told not to tell anyone they were making a Dylan record until it was finished. Chris Shaw, the album's engineer, said that Bob really wanted to get a live sound of the band. This is a common theme with these self-produced Dylan albums. They often sound very live and because of it, very spontaneous. In Rolling Stone, we have an account of the studio atmosphere. Since they'd never recorded a full LP with Dylan before, the band learned to keep out of Bob's musical but not personal way. Apparently the guitarists would receive a, quote, stink eye if they played too many fancy licks whilst Bob was singing. They were also told not to worry about mistakes. Campbell is quoted as saying, if you get a microscope and plough through some of these tracks, you're going to hear some odd chord choices in places or a wrong note here and there but Bob would make it feel like something was right when it felt right. I had a few things I wanted to redo and he said, no man, it's fine, that's the way it's supposed to be. This is clearly a shift from the sessions for the previous album, which by all accounts were difficult at times. Myers says Bob was a little more relaxed when we did Love and Theft. You can see it in his body language. Dylan's producing by this point had really come on. Sessions with a string of brilliant producers on previous albums and the fact that he himself had been able to practice the art means the sound on this LP is accomplished. Take the closing track, for example. The mandolin panned into the right ear has a textured sound. Its reverb means it's a little larger than usual. This is paired with another reverb-heavy guitar, this time an electric in the left, and when that's not being played, it hums, verging on feedback. You can clearly hear it in the song's bridge. I'm staying with Aunt Sally But you know she's not really my aunt 
some of these memories you can learn to live with and some of them this is before we go into the song's Beatles sounding chorus. Sugar baby, get on down the line. You ain't got no brains, no how. You went years without me, you might as well keep going. While it's often commented that Bob overlooks a song's sonics in favour of its words, here he is on his own self-producing and making a really interesting song. Sure, it's not going to change the played notes or revolutionise modern music, but it would have been easy for Dylan to just cut this song on an acoustic guitar and stick it on the track listing. With a song like this and the rest of the record, he's trying to bring something else to the table. The song is a rewrite of the Gene Austin classic The Lonesome Road. Dylan once again borrows the melody and arrangement and adds some new original lyrics, although some of the lines do come from the Austin song too. Bob adds that chorus in by himself. Just like we saw on the Modern Times LP and the lines from the Confessions of a Yakuza, there's no credit to the borrowing on the album's liner notes. The preceding track to this is Cry A While. The tune's bluesy guitar riff recalls leopard skin pillbox hat, and we also have a shifting tempo which really livens up the sound. Somewhat surprisingly, there's also a line about a booty call, not often found on a Dylan tune. He apparently saw an issue of Rolling Stone in the studio featuring Destiny's Child on the front cover. The cover line was booty camp. Dylan was inspired to slip their common phrase booty call into his own song. Given this, it doesn't seem to be a tune of great meaning. There's a ton of obscure blues references. Some are pretty tenuous and you can read about them online at length if you fancy it. For me though, this is Dylan enjoying a hobby. Like an enthusiast at a meet, he's collecting some of his favourite things together. Even that shifting rhythm represents two different types of music. We have a sort of delta blues type sound that goes into a bouncy swing rhythm. At times you feel it does become a bit of a rhyming exercise on the phrase cry a while. We have mile, style, profile and smile all used up, while at the end Bob you feel is running low on ideas as he decides to rhyme while with senile. We're back on the blues once again on track five, but it's a blues sound that has a modern riff thrown in. Whilst it's still a blues riff, it's played on a clean electric guitar and those little slides in it, which again are classic blues, feel a little more up to date as they're played at a quicker tempo with a little bit more vigour. The lyrics are a bit more traditional blues. We hear lines about radios and the death of a loved one and difficult situations and also the classic blues starry-eyed wisdom as Bob sings, funny how the things you have the hardest time parting with are the things you need the least. Funny the things you have the hardest time parting with are the things you need the least. 
A lot of this album has been spent in familiar musical territory for Bob, but in another track, we're back in familiar geographical territory. This time, he returns to New York. He informs us of this in the opening lines of track nine, Honest With Me, where he sings, Well, I'm stranded in the city that never sleeps. Some of these women, they just give me the creeps. I'm avoiding the South Side the best I can. These memories I've got, they can strangle a man. Bob knows that we know about his ties to New York. I mean, he's almost synonymous with it. It's interesting that he'd reference that here. Plus, the South Side line could easily be connected to Dylan's famous former home, Greenwich Village. In my opinion, he's making no mystery of it here. He's talking from personal experience. The song's subject matter is about love. Our narrator appears to have come out of a love affair with a woman. Dylan sings, You don't understand it, my feelings for you. You'd be honest with me if only you knew. And I'm not sorry for nothing I've done. I'm glad I fought. I only wish we'd won. He also alludes to their relationship being a circus freak show act with the lyric, The Siamese twins are coming to town. People can't wait. They've gathered around. I'm not sure this is really autobiographical in the obvious sense, as I'm sure Dylan is always in New York. But keeping up this feeling of it being a close song to Bob's heart is that between October 2001 and July 2019, he performed the piece 725 times. A real favourite. Sonically, it's the hardest we go on the album. It's blues rock with a reckless pedal steel guitar and a sizzling drumline. We also have an organ that is similar to the one found throughout the previous album, Time Out of Mind. It's an organ sound that Bob also uses on this album's opening track. Once again, sonically, we are harking back to the roots of rock and roll. The lyrics obviously use the famous characters from Alice in Wonderland as a metaphor. As to who the clueless pair are meant to represent, well, it could be Bush and Cheney, it could be Bush and Blair, or the leaders of the East and West. Who knows, it's not actually obvious. People often look for political references in Dylan's work, but at times it feels a little false for me when it comes to the specifics. Here once again, he's painting the picture of a world gone wrong and power being in the hands of fools. Just like the famous line, the sun's not yellow, it's chicken, Bob is exasperated about how the world's being run. While I like this song, I never find myself falling in love with it. And at times that sums up the whole LP for me. Dylan was on form and confident and writing well. He was also being acknowledged in all the right ways, but it would appear he didn't have too much to really say here. Unlike the preceding record, it doesn't feel like we ever get a major speech from him. In the run-up to this LP, Bob had won a Grammy for Album of the Year in 97. And in 2000, he won the Best Original Song Oscar for Things Had Changed. That would be enough for anyone to class this as a major return. But with Love and Theft, Dylan gave even more life to this new fertile period. Once again, he was pushing on. Thanks 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Bob Dylan Album by Album. Share your thoughts on it. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bob Dylan Podcast. Join us next week as we look at a curious album. We're having a look at 1973's Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. In the meantime, thanks once again for listening and goodbye. A Fueled by Coffee production.